From the beginning of creation, God had a plan. And He had a purpose. And if you look into to the Scripture, if you look in the book of Genesis, His purpose becomes fairly evident pretty clearly, pretty quickly. And the fact is that God's purpose was to have a perfect man in a perfect place, in a perfect relationship with Him. If you think about it. He created Adam and Eve. He placed them in a garden where everything was perfect. All of their needs were met. Man was in harmony with the beast. Uh, in fact, in, in the second, third chapter in Genesis, the animals come to Adam and Adam names them. The name that he gives. So, so it's not like these things are running around wild and crazy and he's afraid of them and there's, there's this problem between the two of them. They're living in harmony with one another. Think about that for a moment. Every beast of the field came to Adam and Adam said, this is your name. This is what I call you. Right? And that was their name. Perfect man in a perfect environment with a perfect relationship with the Father. We know the Scripture says that after man sinned, that they were in the garden. And it says they heard the sound of the Father in the garden. So he was there. He was present. It was a normal thing for him to be there. That wasn't out of the ordinary. So this perfect situation, this perfect scenario, perfect man, the Scripture says that there was a tree in the midst of the garden. There were two trees, but there was a tree in the midst of the garden that was the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to think about that for a moment. Man did not know good or evil. Didn't have that concept in their mind until they ate of the tree. Right? So think about that for a moment. Where does that place man in regards to the world and the environment in which he was living? Well, I think about it from this perspective. And this is just my perspective. This isn't biblical, but it's my perspective. Okay? It's the innocence of a child. That a little child doesn't understand that there are things in this world that will hurt them. They do not understand that there are things in this world that are evil. And so in their innocence, everything's okay. Everything's all right. And I would imagine, it's just my imagination, that man created in the garden, a perfect man in a perfect place, with a perfect relationship with the Father, was living in that innocence. Was living in the idea that everything was okay. There wasn't anything to fear. There wasn't any struggle or evil or any of that, man did not have the knowledge of good and evil. That there were these two sides that were opposed to one another. Didn't have that. Didn't understand that. That concept was not reality to him at that moment in time. That was God's purpose. God always wanted to have a perfect relationship with man always wanted to be able to fellowship and commune with Him, always wanted His creation to live in a perfect environment 
where everything was provided, there was no struggle. We know this because later when sin enters and we begin to deal with sin, that part of the punishment was what? Now, man has to work by the sweat of his brow to provide, right? So, obviously, before that didn't have to happen. Before, I didn't have to work by the sweat of my brow in order to provide, in order to to sustain. Before, everything was provided. Everything was taken care of. That was God's purpose. God had a plan, and His purpose for mankind was in order for us to be able to live in this perfect environment with a perfect relationship with Him. Everything was as it should be until sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, the Scripture says... When sin entered the world, the Scripture says, right, everything went crazy. Just like that. Or it just goes haywire, right? It says what? They took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and when they did, their eyes were opened. And they realized that there was good, and there was evil. There was that which was acceptable, and that which was not acceptable. There was that which was right, and that which was wrong. In fact, it says their eyes were open, they realized that they were naked, and so they they thought, oh, this is wrong. We shouldn't be naked. And so they took some leaves and formed from them a covering to cover them up, to cover their parts of their body that they felt were should not be exposed. So suddenly the world changes and God's purpose is no longer. God's purpose of perfection, a perfect man in a perfect place with a perfect relationship with Him, has been ruined by sin. And so then God has to develop a plan because sin has interrupted His purpose in order to reestablish His purpose. In order to be able to bring that purpose back to where it needed to be. And that takes us this morning from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, John is worshiping God. And as he is worshiping God, there are a series of visions that he sees in relationship to his worship of the Father and to the fellowship that he shared with him. We want to pick up in Revelation chapter 5. Listen to to the writer as he writes in regards to this purpose that God has for mankind and how God has planned to reestablish that purpose. Revelation chapter 5, beginning in the first verse. And I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Well, we know who that is, right? And a book written inside, on the, uh, sat on the throne, and a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Now listen, here's the vision. Okay? The vision is this, uh, that, that John, in worshiping God, sees this vision of God on the throne. God has a scroll or a book in His hand. It's written on the outside, the back, and and inside, and all around. And then this is what he hears. A strong angel. I think that's interesting. Not just an angel. It's a strong angel. And a strong angel says this with a loud voice. 
who is worthy to open the book and to break its seal. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. I want you to think about that for just a moment. We're going to continue in that chapter. We're going to read some some more things in regards to this vision. But I want you to think about exactly where John finds himself. In regards to a relationship with the Father, he's worshiping Him. These visions come, and in this vision, he sees this book. Now, it doesn't tell us, but every indication in study, if we go back and look, uh, that we are finding here... In regards to this, this book, and this book contains within it information for us, and the scroll is, is identified as the scroll, scroll of redemption. Well, what does that mean? It means that in this book is God's plan for how to reestablish His purpose for mankind. And His purpose was what? Perfect man, perfect world, with a perfect relationship with the Father. This is God's plan of how I'm going to reestablish that. And when John sees this, John recognizes, as the strong angel's voice says, who's worthy? And there is no one found worthy. And so John begins to weep. Why? Because he begins to understand that there is no victory for us. Because there is no one who can open the scroll. And the scroll contains God's plan to reestablish his purpose of perfection with man. And John realizes if no one can open it, then, then it can't be accomplished. If no one can open it and break the seal and read it, then, then what God intends to do in his purpose cannot be fulfilled. And so because he is heartbroken, because there is no victory for us in regard to that, Scripture says he begins to weep. His heart is broken and he begins to weep because no one is worthy to open the scroll. No one is worthy to to read and understand God's plan to reestablish his purpose in regards to this perfect man, perfect relationship, and and a perfect world. And so John begins to weep. Now, let's pick up the scripture and see what we find there as he begins to weep. He begins to understand that there is no hope, that there is no strength, that there's no one worthy to open. And and he's weeping over the hopelessness of this. He's weeping over the the difficulty of this and the disappointment of this in his life. And pick up with me, if you would, in verse 5. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. (laughs) One of the elders that's there gathered around the throne says, "What, what are you crying about? He says, behold, the lion... That is from the tribe of Judah. The root of David has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. So so one of the elders turns to John. John's in despair. He's in this point of, of hopelessness. He's discouraged. He's disappointed. He sees the book of redemption, or at least what we understand to be the book of redemption. doesn't tell us specifically there. And he realizes that this is God's plan to reestablish this perfect relationship in regards to man and his future. And nobody can open the book. It can't be done. And so thus the plan can't be accomplished. 
and he's weeping and he's heartbroken and, and he's full of sorrow and hopelessness and disappointment. And suddenly one of the elders says, hey, what are you crying about? Why are you crying? Behold the lion from the tribe of Judah. Behold, if God has a plan, God will always accomplish his plan. And though we look around and it seems to be there's nobody worthy to open it, God has a plan. Why are you crying? So he, he gets this encouragement. He, he gets this idea first that we have to understand that, that on our own, there is no victory. There is no one with the ability to open the plan of redemption. There is no one with the power or the strength or the knowledge or the understanding to do what needs to be done in regards to the scroll or the book of redemption. And so that is a hopeless situation. That, that is a, a situation of sorrow and disappointment and, and, and dejection in, in life. But the elders around the throne said, wait a minute, wait a minute, why are you crying? I've got some good news. And that is that there is victory through the Lamb. And so we pick up in verse 5 and we read that and he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Take just a moment. And he says, and look. He says, for the, for the, uh, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Now let's go on see what he says. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders and a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And listen to what he says. This is a beautiful image for us. Don't get caught up in all of, well, what, is, what does that mean? Seven horns and seven eyes. What, what is seven spirit? Don't get caught up in all of that. Okay? Not that those things aren't important. But understand the story. Understand the events that are unfolding. Understand the message that is behind all of this without getting distracted by all of the, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does that represent? What, what does that stand for? And just get the, get the event that is unfolding. John has this vision. And he sees the plan of redemption. And he hears the voice of an angel who says, who's worthy? And in all of the earth and all of heaven and under the earth and everywhere there is, they looked and there was no one worthy. And John begins to weep with sorrow because there is no plan of redemption. Because no one can open the scroll or the book. And the elder says, stop crying. There's an answer. God always has an answer. What I want to encourage you today, if you're at some point in your life that seems hopeless, if you're at some point in your life that it seems helpless, if you're at some point in your life that seems there's no answer, there's no way out, and you're full of sorrow, and you're overwhelmed, and there's weeping, and, and you don't know what to do, understand, God always has a plan. There's always power. There's always the presence. There's always, and the elder says, listen, stop crying. Behold the lion from, from the tribe of Judah. And so John says, I stopped weeping. And I lifted up my eyes, and I saw this. I saw this lamb standing as if it had been slain. And, and, and I began to understand that he came, 
And he took the scroll out of the hand of the one who sat on the throne. Can you just get the image of that? Do you understand the power of what we just read in Revelation, the fifth chapter? Jesus, the Son of God, came to the Father, and the Father had the plan of redemption in His hand. He was holding it there, and there was no one else who could take that plan of redemption and execute it and carry it out. And He was holding it. And John was weeping full of sorrow because there was no hope and there was no plan of redemption because no one could fulfill it. And the Son comes, the Lamb comes, and takes the scroll out of His hand. He says, let me take your plan and carry it out. Let me take what you have designed to redeem man, to reestablish the perfect man and the perfect place and the perfect relationship with you, and let me be the one who accomplishes that. And so he takes the scroll or the book out of the Father's hand who's sitting on the throne. And he says, let me open it. And he had the power to break the seal. And he had the power to open the plan of redemption. And he had the power to carry it out and execute it. So that you and I might be saved from the sin that is in our life. Sin ruined God's purpose. Jesus reestablished that relationship. And so it is in victory through the Lamb that we can experience. Don't get sidetracked by all the things, all revelation this, revelation that. Look at what the message says. And it says, and he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now pick up in verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures... And the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having, in, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. He came and he said, Father, I know you've got a plan. And I know that there isn't anyone else who can carry out this plan me and so he came and he he took the scroll took the book and he broke the seal and he opened it and he began to read God's plan of redemption and he began to understand his role and responsibility and he knew what had to be done and the scripture says that he came willingly and gave his life in your place and in my place to carry out, to execute God's plan of redemption so that you and I might have the hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven and that we might reestablish the relationship of a perfect person in a perfect place in a perfect relationship with the Father. And there's only one way that can happen. There's only one way that that could be executed. There's only one way it could be carried out. And it was through Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection to give us the hope of life eternal. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, but is the name of Jesus Christ that every one of us should come to the presence of the Father. He was the stone that the builders rejected. And yet there is salvation found in no one else. There is redemption in no one else. He was the only one. 
all of heaven, all of earth, under the earth, everywhere that existed, the angel said, there is no one worthy to open the scroll to execute the plan of redemption. And only one was found worthy, and it was the Son of God, His, His only beloved Son, His only begotten Son. And He was willing to die on a cross and suffer this brutal, horrible death for you and for me so that He could establish God's plan, so that God could fulfill His purpose. What does that mean? That means that for you and I, in God's eyes, because of what Christ has done, we are now perfect. And we are once again that perfect person in a perfect place, the kingdom of heaven, a relationship with the Father, the Christian lives, with a perfect relationship with the Father. And His purpose has been fulfilled again through Christ Jesus. His purpose and His plan have been executed through Christ Jesus. And He says... And reveals to us that at that moment, when that plan was established, listen to what he says again. And it says, the 24 elders and, and the, uh, the, the creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp, golden bowls, full of incense, which are prayers of the saints. Now listen to the new song they sing. Listen to this new song. Worthy. <laughs> we couldn't find anybody worthy. Now we found the one that's worthy. Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain. Thou didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked, and I and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Remember where it started? There was just one strong angel. One angel with the strength to stand up and say, we can't find anybody worthy. But once the one who was worthy had been found, now there are many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. This story started, this event began with one strong angel. That's why I said, note that word strong, right? One angel had the commitment, the courage, the faithfulness to stand up and say, we can't find anybody worthy. There, right there in his hand is the plan of redemption. But there's no one worthy to break the seal. There's no one worthy to open and to read the plan of redemption and to execute it. But when the one worthy was found and opened the book and executed the plan and died for you and I so that we might have life eternal, now, he says, angels, creatures, myriads and myriads of them, thousands and thousands of them, they have now come alive. Everybody was stepping back. Everybody was quiet except one strong angel. And that angel recorded for us a message that says there is hope, there is help, and there is a future 
And it can only come through Jesus Christ. Listen to what it continues to say. say. And there are thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice. (laughs) Interesting. Just one strong angel. Now thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea. And all things in them I heard saying. Hear that? Every voice saying to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. Now listen to this. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Here's what I want you to know about all of this. There's only one way for us to be redeemed. There's only one way for God's purpose to be reestablished for the perfect man, the perfect place, with a perfect relationship with Him. And that is through Jesus Christ, His Son, and the sacrifice that He paid that you and I might have eternal life. And we wrap all of that up with understanding this. The victorious Jesus is worthy of our worship. That's what happened. When finally they recognized that he was worthy, finally he took the plan and executed it. Then it says the elders and everyone associated began to worship because the plan had been executed and the purpose could be fulfilled. He's worthy of our worship. So what does that mean to you and I? When do we worship? Where do we worship? How do we worship? We worship because He's worthy. But but is worship just what takes place here? And if it's just what takes place here, then why is this not a greater priority to us? Why is this not the most important thing in the world? If He's the one who reestablished the plan of redemption, if He's the one who is able to reestablish God's purpose, if He's the one, the only one, that we can have access to the kingdom of heaven and eternity, then the elders and everyone gathered around the throne begin to worship Him. We need to worship Him in our life. He needs to be the object of our worship. We need to desire to worship Him, to gather and to lift our voices as those thousands upon thousands and say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. He receives glory and might and power and strength from our voice and from our heart and from our life as believers in this world because we know that He is the only way for you and I to experience the plan of redemption. We have victory through Christ. The Lamb who was slain, who was worthy, worthy of all of our praise, all of our worship, all of our heart, all of our commitment, all of our devotion, Because he was the only one, only one who could be found, who was worthy to open the scroll, break the seal, and execute God's plan of redemption. Revelation, the fifth chapter, gives us an incredible vision that John experienced of understanding what it means to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only one who was worthy to be slain, to bring about for us again God's purpose. So this morning we're going to offer an invitation.